And so that's really important to catch our children in moments of being honest. We so often react to the lies and, and give discipline for the dishonesty, but we often forget to do the opposite, which is give credit for the honesty. Everyone, welcome to the Parenting Translator newsletter. Um, I'm Dr. Kara Goodwin, and I'm a child psychologist who specializes in taking all the research that's out there on parenting and child development and translating it into information that parents can use. Um, and I'm really excited because today I am here with Dr. Victoria Talwar, and she is a professor at McGill University and she specializes in um, a topic that I think is very important to all of us parents and that we all have a lot of questions about, um, and that is lying in children. So Dr. Talwar, would you like to introduce yourself and a little bit, um, tell us a little bit about your research? Yes, thank you. Yes, yeah, so I am a at McGill University. I'm a professor here at McGill University. I'm also the chair of the Department of Educational and Counseling Psychology. Um, at McGill. And I have worked for over 20 years now in the area of children's social, emotional, and moral development. And in particular, I've done a lot of research looking at how do we foster children's pro-social behavior and their honesty in particular. And so this book is sort of a culmination of many years of working in this field and sort of translating what we know and how we can sort of foster children's honesty to parents. Yes, that's great. Um, so my first question is, when do you find that most children start lying? And how does lying tend to change as children get older and development happens? Right. So for young children, it can start in the preschool years. And so it can, you know, you can sometimes see early lies, maybe as early as two and a half, depending uh, three by four. Most children are telling uh, uh, an occasional fib. It can come a little earlier. So sometimes you see it in young, these younger children uh, a little earlier because, you know, uh, if they're especially if we found, for instance, that children with older siblings, they often learn to lie a little earlier, probably as a result of interacting with their siblings. And but it's sort of in that preschool range. But the good thing is they're not really that good at it. So you often can kind of uh, detect it, you know, like um, I give the example. This is an example I, I have from my own personal experience where I walked in and there was a child who had had a cookie that they were. The cookie jar was off limits in that household till after dinner. And but there were there's some really great home baked double chocolate chip cookies at the child was standing there with chocolate all over his face and kind of on his shirt. And there was a chair up to the counter where he had climbed up to get the cookies, he and his <laughs> older brother. His older brother had the, the wisdom to quickly abscond out the other door as I walked in. And I said to him, did you eat a cookie? <laughs> and he said, no. And the chocolate was all over him. And he's kind of looking like, please believe me. And so you can kind of often catch these children in these very, you know, early rudimentary lies that are often, yeah. you know, they basically just deny something, but they can't really follow up with it and follow up <laughs> statements if you ask them things like, so was it good? And he was like, and then he gave me a big grin. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and also he, like, he 
the evidence. He didn't conceal the evidence or anything like that. So young children, yeah, they'll, they will tell lies, but they're not particularly good at them. So they often are just these one word statements like a no, a denial, false denial. But when you ask them questions, they can't cover up with it. So for instance, in our research studies, we do situations where children are told not to do something. So like we're playing a game and there's all these exciting toys and they make noises, but they're told not to peek at the toys and they have to guess the toys based on the sounds they hear. And we leave them in the room with one of these toys making a sound. And a lot of children, they can't resist the temptation and they peek to see what it is. And then we come back and we cover up the toy and we ask them, did you peek? And a lot of children, the majority of children four years of age and older, it's a lot less for the younger age group, uh, will actually lie and say no. But then when you ask them, well, okay, what do you think it is? Younger children often give it away like, you know, they'll blurt it out. It's Mickey Mouse, you know, kind of thing. You're like, oh, how did you know that? And they can't give you an explanation. They might even say, I saw it or I saw the ears or there were big ears kind of thing. And you're like, well, if you didn't peek, how did you know that? You know, but they can't think that far yet. They don't have the cognitive skills. Whereas older children, and this is how it changes as they get older, six, seven, but definitely by eight, nine years of age, they are much better at covering their tracks. So they'll say things like, they'll either realize, oh wait, I can't know what this is because I, uh, if I know it's because I peaked because we make sure the audio sound is like really, you can't really guess it from that. It's not, um, you know, music from Fantasia or anything from Mickey Mouse. They, so they either say, oh, I, I don't know. Uh, I could try and guess or something like that. And then they say, oh, I don't know. Well, maybe I'll guess like, I don't know, something like Mickey Mouse. So they they kind of come up with this like plausible lie or they say it's Mickey Mouse, but they knew it because they have a toy just like that and their younger sibling plays with it and it has that sound that comes from it. So they understand now that they have to come up with plausible statements to support their lie and they can kind of give you explanations beyond that initial, you know, uh, no, I didn't peek. And that's a, that requires uh, more advanced cognitive skills. And so that's why as children get older, they get better at covering their tracks. So it sounds like as a parent, you should actually be excited when your child gets better at lying. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but it does show cognitive development. So it is. it's actually a marker of cognitive development. So yes. that is one thing for all parents to know is that when you first see your child lying and that don't, you know, one way is, yes, you could be like, oh, my child's lying to me. But and the other thing you could say in the back of your head, oh, look, he's maturing cognitively. Because even those um, that initial step of when they lie, but they're not very good at it, is a, a marker of them starting to understand that they can create false belief in others. And this is an important developmental milestone in this ability to understand that other people have beliefs, knowledge, feelings that are different from your so I often explain it to parents like it's like everybody has a thought bubble, right? And we understand that we can't see into other people's thought bubbles, what they're thinking or knowing or feeling that's hidden to us. So just because we know a fact doesn't mean another person knows a fact, for instance. Um, but children don't understand that at a young age. And they only start to develop this ability, which is called theory of mind um, in the preschool years. And once they start understanding that other people have uh, beliefs, knowledge um, that is different from their own is the sort of building blocks of perspective taking, which is a really important ability that we need our children. It's important for them to understand 
um, their social interactions and to be have positive social interactions, to develop empathy and to develop these perspective taking skills. So this is a really important cognitive development and really important that children, um, important building block in their social interactions and their uh, social adjustment. However, it also gives you the ability to start understanding that you can manipulate other people's beliefs and instill a false belief in others. And so this is where, and then so as a result, they can start to tell lies, but this is where then parents come in. We socialize children, we teach children to be honest, that lying is not okay. And that's where parents start to step in. So you can see when you first see your children as lying, you know, it is a sign of some positive development in them, but now you have to engage with them and teach them that, however, lying is not something that we do. That is all very interesting. Um, I feel like I learned so much. Um, so I loved your story about um, catching your child in a lie, because I think a lot of us parents have like remember that moment of the first time our child has lied and it's kind of shocking. And like, you know, you're just, you have this innocent little baby who then all of a sudden is able to deceive you. And it's shocking as a parent. So let's say you're a parent, you have just caught your child in a lie for the first time. How do you react? Do you label it as a lie? Do you um, give any sort of consequences? Like how could you react to those initial lies? Okay. So (laughs) Um, I think most parents have gone through this. Uh, The first thing you have to do, and I give loads of um, uh, examples in the book of different types of lies and how to react, you know, how you might uh, uh, deal with those lies. But let's just give uh, one example I give is like catching the child drawing on the wall, for instance, right, with cranes, right? So the first thing, and I've experienced this myself, so... (laughs) And not only do I experience myself, I actually have a memory of doing it myself as a child. (laughs) So history repeated itself. When you catch them, the first thing you have to do is you have to like, make sure you calm yourself. The first step it, it is. So I go through this through the book, sort of the steps that you can go through. But the first step is to calm yourself. And you don't want to be reactive. Um, which is really, really hard. We, you know, you know, in that moment, you're like, ah, what is, what is it? You lied to me. This is, you know, how could you? But um, you want to calm yourself and make sure that, you know, you are not in a, a heightened state of um, emotionally either, because you want to be calm and deal with it. So like I, I give, I think I give this example in the book. I remember I caught my, uh, my son drawing on the wall and I actually had to give myself a timeout. I, I was like, cause we had just painted the uh, wall. And uh, so the wall had be newly painted and I was like ah and so yeah. I actually just kind of took the crayon off and walked out of the room for a few seconds calmed myself down because I was just yeah. like in such a state and then once I was calm I came back in um so you have to do just check yourself on that one and then the second thing is then deal with the underlying motivation and this is important to see like um why did the child lie to you mm-hmm. um and what did they do so You know, if you only deal with the lies, um, then you may also miss the 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 reason or what they're doing behind it. So, you know, in the crayon situation, if it's your child's first lie, realize that, you know, they may just be like they're afraid that, you know, you're going to be upset with them. So that's their fear. So rather than confirming, completely confirming their fears, 
if you deal with them in a calm manner, they realize, oh, the sky didn't fall on me here because I did something bad, right? Yeah. They, but on the same time, you don't want them to do that again. So you say, you know, you talk about that, you know, I will, you have to tell me the truth about this. And then you talk about what is the rule? There's no drawing on the wall. You cannot, you remove the crayon from them. And you may decide that that's enough for this first transgression. Um, you have to decide in the moment what, what degree of discipline you need to give. The key is to what is sort of reasonable for the transgression committed, right? So you might decide that that's enough. You know, it's the first time they've done it and they're like looking, uh, you know, uh, chastised and look concerned and you're like, okay, that's it. Um, or you might get them to help repair, like, you know, they have to help clean the wall and clean off the crayon. And depending on the age of the child, you know, like if we're talking about a, a toddler, you might not get much cleaning happening, but you know, the idea is just that they go through the motions of something. And an older child, you might get them to really vigorously clean, but the key is the, just the reparation there. You have to see, depend on what the actual lie is. Another example, and that's a key uh, point that I make throughout the book, and I talk about different motivations and how to respond to different um, situations. And I talk through different examples. And you have to look at what, you know, the lie and the underlying motivation. So for instance, if you only ever deal with the lie, you may be also not dealing with other unwanted behavior. So for instance, in the case of an example of a child who, you know, steals a toy, uh, again, this was a, an example that I, came to me from a mom, you know, their child stole a toy from another child's house and brought it home. And the other parents said, oh, by the way, uh, could we get back that toy that your daughter stole? And the mother was very upset. Um, and she asked the child, did you take this toy? Um, were you, you know, you weren't allowed to take this toy? Did you take it? And the child lied to her and she got really upset about the lie. Yeah. But then afterwards she realized that she had not dealt with the fact that the child had stolen something. So you see, you know, you have to look at what the lie is, but also what is it about? And sometimes you have to deal with that as well. And not only do children have to, you know, the lie to the mom, but also, you know, the child needs to be taught that, you know, you can't just take things from other people's houses. So you have to, to make sure that you are looking at the behavior and sort of the wider perspective of what that lie is about and why it is. And sometimes the lie is just told to you out of fear of your reaction and understanding that they may be fearing your reaction. It can help you to calm down and deal with them calmly. And that often um, helps them understand, like it doesn't uh, confirm their worst fears that you're going to just hit the roof on them. Yes. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so young children often kind of tell like harmless white lies that are even like, you know, exaggerating a story. Do you kind of just let, as a parent, should you just like let those slide or should you address them, you know, in hopes that it, you know, to hope to prevent it becoming more harmful lying? So for very young children, they don't, they still have blurred lines between fantasy and reality. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, a small child, it's not uncommon uh, for a small child to come back from daycare and tell you something like, today we went to the zoo and I saw a kangaroo. These are often sort of their fantasy stories. And they're not really, they're not lying in the sense that they're not trying to intentionally 
give you a false story. They're just part of their sort of fantasy worlds. And they these distinctions are not as clear for them um, in sort of the preschool, early, early childhood age. So understanding that is important and not to necessarily react that those are lies. They're not doing something necessarily bad. They're often doing something very typical and age appropriate at that age. If yeah. you're concerned that they're overly doing it, you can always come, you know, later say, well, you know, you remember that then you didn't, that was just your pretend play that, you know, you didn't actually go to the zoo today. You can talk to them and start uh, very calmly and, you know, casually starting to put in the distinctions between fantasy and reality and labeling, you know, yo, oh, that's your, your imaginary play, things like that. But um, I don't think parents should overreact at those stories. As you get older, if you have older children, older um, school age children um, starting to, uh, that are telling these stories, then you might want to look further at why are they telling these imaginary uh, tales? Because at this age, they can know the difference. Is it that they are uh, trying to make people think better of them? Are they exaggerating because they want other people to think, um, think they're really neat? For instance, I'll give you an example. When I was at university, I ran into another student at that time who told these kind of these types of lies. And, she, you know, she she told there was a popular uh, in the UK at that time, there was a popular band, boy band called Take That. And she claimed that she lived next door to them and that, you know, she had a helicopter pad on top of her house and all this kind of stuff, which was clearly just made up stuff. Mm-hmm. and. In this case, the person was telling these lies because they were trying to weave a story that made them appear more interesting to people, right? They're trying to, they're meeting all these new people at university and they want, they want people to think well of them. In that case, you do want to deal with that kind of lie because in reality, it doesn't, people under, realize that these are not true stories and it doesn't actually help the individual um, develop, you know, positive relationships with other people because they're like, ah, that person's just making up stories. So um, so when you see it in older children or even in adults, then that's usually a sign of something that should be dealt with. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So it sounds like the motivation for the lying is really important. Yeah. And understanding what's, you know, developmentally appropriate. It, it, little children have imaginary play, play and pretend play. And that's a really important part of their development. Imaginary play is so important for their cognitive development. And so we, there's nothing wrong with it. We want to support them and, and, and sort of, you know, you can get in on the fun on it. And if you're really worried that they are not distinguishing, you can simply lay, use labels. This is our imaginary play. This was pretend play. You know, you can use that to help them to start distinguishing that if they, Mm -hmm. if you think that they're not being able to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. Um, so what about, should parents handle it differently if a child is caught in a lie versus they admit the truth? Yes, absolutely. They should deal with that differently. So if they admit the truth to you, like if a child admits the truth to you about something that they could have lied at and they might have wanted to lie at, like, you know, they've done something wrong, like drawing on the wall or, you know, or, or, you know, doing something and they they tell the truth, they confess up. You want to um, acknowledge that and give that a moment because that's important 
we so often react to the lies and, and give discipline for the dishonesty, but we often forget to do the opposite, which is give credit for the honesty. Now, yes, maybe they did something they're not allowed to do, and you might have to deal with that. So, you know, a child who's playing with a ball in the house and they, you know, break a vase, um, but then later you come home, you find the broken pieces and you say, what happened? And they truthfully say, I was playing with my ball and I broke the vase. You want to recognize that they were brave enough to tell you the truth. And also you want to feel inside internally like, oh, good. They felt that they could tell me the truth. That's a good sign, right? Build upon that. You know, that's an important part of, um, of having a, a good relationship. So if they 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 feel like they can tell you the truth, you know, say, I'm really glad that you told me the truth about that. Give it a moment and acknowledge it and label it so that they know that you do see them when they do that truth and that that uh, ha- that has importance in your eyes mm-hmm. and positive, positive and associated with positive um, importance. And then, you know, then you might deal with the broken boss. You say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy that you're playing with the ball. You know the rules about playing with the ball in the house. And look, this is what's happened. This is, you know, point out the consequences of them breaking the, the, the rules. They, they, weren't, uh, they didn't follow the rules and they've now broken a boss. And I said, you know, so I want you to clean up the pieces and then uh, some of your pocket money will go to replacing this boss. And so there's a consequence with it. It's calmly stated. The consequence is related to the the offense. It's not like oversized. Well, you are punished for, you know, for like two weeks because of this. But they also have had credit for being honest. Mm -hmm. Um, Important to catch our children in moments of being honest and give credit for it and say, oh, I'm really I appreciate that you were honest about that. Yes, that's great. Yeah. So encouraging honesty. Um, making sure we're rewarding them when they do admit that makes sense. Um, so what should parents do if they can't figure out if the child is lying or not, you know, if you're, they're saying something and you're just not sure, like, how do you address that situation? It's tricky. I mean, we can't always know, uh, we're, to be honest, we are not the best at detecting lies. So there may be lies that your child tells that will go undetected, just like there are lies that adults tell that go undetected. We tend to, unless we have some prior knowledge or suspicions, we often, you know, believe most people, you know, default that they're being honest to us. If you don't know the truth, um, be careful. I mean, be careful not to get too paranoid. And, you know, depending upon what your previous uh, communications are with them, you can give the child the benefit of the doubt that time if you have no way of verifying that is. But then now you have to be on alert for whatever that behavior is and what the motivations behind it might be. So maybe there are certain conditions or things that you now need to put in your mind, like I need to be careful in the future to make sure that this this kind of, I, I monitor this or I change something to, to prevent this from this, uh, this type of thing happening again. If you have, you know, if, however, the child has uh, routinely been lying to you about the certain behavior, then you may refer back to those conversations about it and say, you know, because you've routinely been lying to me, I, I have I, I, about this thing. I, I have no trust in what you say now. You know, it's really important to be honest, because if you're not honest, then you be it's hard to trust what you say and you lose credibility. So, you know, you 
but it, it depends, of course, on what the prior context is. If it's the first time or, you know, the conditions are is really not clear, then I would say at least give your child the benefit of the doubt rather than always erring, erring until lie, um, to believing that they're lying. Because you can kind of use it as a wake up call to monitor and look at it, but you don't want to label them as a liar. Um, and, and especially if they, they are not lying. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so it sounds like from this conversation, um, a big takeaway is that lying is very developmentally normal for kids. But I think still, you know, a lot of us parents, our goal is to raise, you know, honest adults who are not, you know, who grow out of this phase and are not lying. So rather than only like reacting to lying in the moment, is there anything we can do like proactively to raise children who value honesty? Yeah, there's a lot of things we can do. In fact, this is where parents play a huge role, the most important role in teaching uh, children to be honest and, you know, raising uh, individuals that become um, honest uh, friends, uh, husbands, wives, you know, brothers, sisters. It's the parents play, you know, parents are the first educators of their children and they play a big role in their children's lives. So you can, if this is something, I always say to parents, you know, we often think about, yes, we need to teach them their ABCs, we need to teach them to count and to um, to, to add and subtract and multiply, but we also can teach them how to behave in the world, to be pro-social, kind, um, good people. And that, includes, um, you know, being honest. So if that's an important, you can actually teach them and proactively teach them to be honest. And that means not just waiting until they lie and then reacting to it, but actually, you know, having conversations about why honesty is important, giving examples of honesty, um, noticing it in the, when people are honest, like examples and stories or around you, oh, look, that man was honest and he noticed he had being given too much change back from the store clerk and he gave it back, you know, noticing it in your lives and just labeling it, reflecting it shows that it's important and valued. Um, Having conversations about it as part of, you know, if you have family time or, or, or um, do, you know, any sort of moral virtues education within your home, stories are a great way to do it. There are lots of stories and talking about those stories, you know, what, uh, for young children, you can just, you know, is what so-and-so truth or a lie to help them label and start to understand what is the truth and what is a lie. Um, as they get older, you can ask them, you know, questions that are more like, well, why do you think that person said that? Or uh, what, how do you think they that person felt when they were told uh, the truth or told a lie? So you can get them to, to reflect upon it. You can give examples. And also, I go into this uh, in a lot more depth in the book, but uh, you can, it's important that you sort of walk the talk. So if you're telling them that honesty is important and then you're turning around and they're observing you tell little lies, like, you know, um, you know, you go to the movies and you get your, you lie about your child's age to get them in for cheaper, for instance, and things like that. They're observing that. And what that's communicating is it's, it's kind of belying your communication about honesty being so important. What it's saying is, yeah, honesty is important on face value, but we can all get away with a little few lies here and there. We can kind of fudge it. 
then, you know, that tells them that, you know, that, that that's communicating to them. And that's also modeling line to them. So you need to think about, you know, what is important to you and then uh, teach them it and also um, reflect it in your own behavior. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. So no more white lies to our kids, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, there's research looking at parental lying and, um, you know, it actually does, uh, it can affect the relationship between parent and child um, as they get older. And it in fact has been, uh, has been linked when parents frequently tell lies to children, it, it's linked to sort of um, more adult uh, sort of less well-being in the adult children. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, this has been so incredibly interesting. I feel like I've learned so much and I've got some takeaways for how to work on honesty with my own kids. Um, so this has been so great. Um, to end, could you just tell us a little bit about, you know, I know you've talked a little bit about your book already, but if you can just tell us, you know, a little bit more about what parents can find in your book and where they can buy your book if they're interested. Uh, yes. So the book is, um, the truth is called the truth about lying teaching honesty to children at every age and stage. And it can be, you can order it. It's published by the American Psychological Association as part of their Life Tool series. So you can order it directly from them or you can get it on Amazon or a host of other, uh, Barnes and Noble, a host of other um, distributors. Amazing. And one final question, where can people find you if they want to know more about your research or contact you in any way? Yeah, so my research, I have a, a, a website that is uh, all about our, our different research, and it's um, talwar, T-A-L-W-A-R, research.com. And so they can look there. They can um, also look at our uh, Instagram site, also uh, Talwar Research. Um, and we also have a Facebook uh, page to learn more about the research. Great. Um, sounds like there are a lot of options. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for talking to me about this topic. I think this is going to be so helpful to parents. It would be my pleasure. Thank you so much. Parenting Translator is a nonprofit organization, so all of these podcasts and the information they provide are given to you for free. If you would like to support our work, please subscribe to this podcast and rate and review it. Thank you so much.